Well, those of you who know me know I've got two girls and I've got my youngest is in that three-year-old phase. And, and the three-year-old phase is uh, a great joy and a great challenge. Uh, and one of those things is, is they are learning a lot of vocabulary and they're starting to be able to talk a lot and they're amazing you with a lot of words. And then there are moments where they just refuse to use their words. And so you just hear grunts. So like, mm, all right. Mm. And you're like, well, well, what do you need, sweetie? Uh, well, if you used your words, I would be able to help you. Uh, and you're so, please, please just talk to me. Just, just be clear. I just want to help. Why can't you just use those words that you have, but you're so closed off right now that you just can't let them out. And it's not, though, just three-year-olds who go through this. Maybe you've um, had someone say, honey, are, are you okay? And I'm fine. And you know that's not fine. Uh, can I help you with that? No, I'm fine. Uh, okay. Um, maybe we all know the feeling of just wishing someone would just say what they need, what they're feeling. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me what you need from me. And we just get grunts. Sometimes those grunts get a little bit verbalized in other ways, but they're not fully what we need. And the, the challenge of of our faith journey is this is also true of our spiritual lives. Sometimes maybe the greatest fear is you are longing to know, God, just tell me what you want me to do. And it feels like God is either giving you the silent treatment or grunting at you. God, just please clearly tell me. I, I would love to just do what you want me to do here. And I'm hearing radio silence. I'm hearing grunts. I don't hear anything. And you, and you just get frustrated because for some of us, we've heightened this, that we think God has this one perfect plan for us. It's one perfect thing. If you make one wrong decision, suddenly it's all off. Your dreams are gone. Your best job possible is gone. Your best friendships, your best love, all of these things might just fall apart if I don't make every perfect decision. And so we get ang anxious. We, we get fearful. And just, God, would you just be up front with me, would you just tell me clearly today what you want from me? And when we don't hear clearly, we start running to other things, as you could assume of, well, maybe the next book will have the answer of what God absolutely needs from me right now. Maybe the next podcast or radio show, maybe the next friend conversation, maybe the next worship experience, something. I just need to hear from you, God. How do I hear from you? And maybe you know what that feels like. Maybe you're in that today. Maybe you've been there recently. And I think that What's interesting is we all want the easy box of God, give me the simple instruction. Give me the manual. Give me the simplicity of what I'm supposed to do. And yet the biblical tradition, our faith journeys are more complex than that. And so we, we would love to have that our Bible perhaps is just, well, here's what you need to do, Dallas. Today, here's your plan. But instead, we get a bunch of stories. And even with Jesus, you're like, okay, the word of God made flesh, and now he's telling some stories. And so we're going to wrestle with uh, the famous parable of Jesus. So it's the, one of the only parables of Jesus that is tried to be interpreted even within the text. And so we're going to read Luke's version of this. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. When a great crowd had gathered and people from town after town came to him, to Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on. 
and the birds of the air ate it up. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell, though, into good soil. And when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. And as he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears hear, listen. Then his disciples asked him, What, what this parable meant? And he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but others I speak in parables, so that looking they may not perceive, and listening they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones on the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they might not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no roots, and they believe only for a while, and in a time of testing they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, these ones are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for the one that, in, that is in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love the scene that the gospel sets up here. It says that these crowds, these people from all of these towns have shown up to see Jesus. And we don't know their motivations, what they were longing for that day. Like, I, I want to hear from him. Maybe they're, they're expecting some good teaching. Maybe they've heard that he's been healing people. And so they're there. They're, they have injuries. They have sickness. They have people they care for. They, hey, heal this person for me. Maybe they've heard exorcism stories of him casting out demons. And, and whether that's um, demons that they see and, and people that they want cast out, or, or they're seeing their whole land is occupied by unclean empires and want him to kick out Rome and and start the revolution, whatever motivations bring them there that day. I want you to imagine that Jesus opens his mouth and says, there was a farmer who was sowing some seed. Like, okay, what, what are we doing here, Jesus? Like, I've traveled all this way, and I get this image of this farmer sowing seed. And he sows seed, and it falls on different soils and different results, and then it's just over. The story's over, and and the disciples, maybe because they're close to him, feel like they have enough of a relationship that they can go, hey, what's going on, Jesus? What on earth are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense. What's going on in this story? And maybe just that alone might be like important in your faith journey, that maybe it, it's okay to just have a disciple's moment where you say, God, this makes no sense to me. What are you talking about? If we just kind of act like everything makes perfect sense and we're just not along, even though we know inside nothing is clicking. Like, what does that do for our faith journey? Oh, yes, yes, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our own grunts back. It's not the grunts of a frustrated child. It's the grunts of, uh, I don't want to say out loud because I don't understand it. And let's just act like everything's okay. But the disciples have the honesty to go and ask Jesus, what are you talking about? And so this is that one gospel in Luke, uh, this is the one parable in the gospel of Luke, where we get Jesus trying to explain the parable. And so he says, here's an interpretive move. The seed that's being sowed is the word of God. And that word of God falls on four soils or falls on four audiences' ears. 
And so the first soil he talked about, the ones on the path, and, and in the image of the story, the, the birds come and they take the seed away. But Luke writes in verse 12, the ones on the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. In this parable, there, there's this first audience who they have not even given any consideration to the story, to God's word, to God's teaching for their life. They hear something, immediately turned off to it, whether it's because of themselves or because someone else snatches it away from them. And so I was trying to think of, um, because sometimes we simplify these stories into all or nothing. You're either the first soil, the second soil, the third soil, or the fourth soil, but there's a little bit of each of those things in us, in our lives, that we might have different moments of different soils of reception to God's word. And so I was trying to think of when is there a, a moment where it feels like maybe God's had something and, and it just gets taken away before you could ever think about it. And I was thinking about, I, I had some environments, uh, I went to a school that was connected to the church that I went to as a child. And, and there were times where it was not safe to ask questions. If you asked questions, you were outing yourself as the kid that doesn't have faith in the room. So we don't ask that question here. And there's just something in the body language, especially of the adults in the room, right? Because kids can be kids, but if the, if the leader doesn't seem like it's okay to ask this, you learn that very quickly, right? And so there were questions, there were ideas that might have come up that were just said, no, we're not going there. And there wasn't a chance to maybe wrestle with something that might actually be God speaking in that moment. And so I was thinking about everybody has their own versions of this and, and the experience that I had from it. Um, there were a lot of things of like, well, a scientist said this. Well, we'll, we'll take that out really quickly. Let's not go down that path. Let's stay away from there. Um, you might chuckle again. You might heard the reverse version of this. Um, but I know someone who was confronted because they were told that you could not both be a Democrat and a Christian. And I'm sure that there have been people who've been told that you cannot be a Republican and a true Christian as well. But there were just things that were said and you said, okay, a matter of fact, we know this is not the case. Let's just take that off of the table. And, and it's trying to be secure, right? We're keeping that box that we want to live our lives in and it keeps us safe, we think, but maybe we've made that box too small. And so there might be people in your life who've tried to take that seed away and who said, no, this is, not, this is not okay. This is not where God is. And you never then wrestled with it. You never thought about it too much because it was just quickly removed. But maybe you've been that person too. And I think sometimes we like to just only think of ourselves as the hero of the story, but maybe there have been times where we have been uncomfortable and our uncomfortableness makes us take that possible topic, that talking point and say, let's not go there. And we might take that seed of what might God might be saying, and we might take it away from someone. And so this first soil is this, this seed that's fallen on a path. It never had a chance. It gets taken away before it can ever grow roots and develop. But that's not the only unusual soils for the seed in the story. Luke writes in verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no roots. They believe only for a little while. And then when a time of testing comes, they fall away. And so we hear about this seed that falls on the rocks, that when it gets tough, when it gets difficult, it doesn't grow anymore. And I think that there's something really meaningful in the fact that this verse says, 
that people hear something and receive it with joy. It's not talking about someone who didn't really believe or someone who didn't, you know, I don't know if I buy this or not, but it was believed and it gave them joy, hope. They, they wanted this to be true. But when things got hard, it was hard to hold on to it. So I was thinking about some things that in my life of like, when was it hard to hold on to things that you held with joy? And so for me, a, a lot of that story is around my, my young years. Uh, my dad died of cancer when I was nine. And you are told that God is good. And that's easy to hold on to when life is good. It was much harder to hold on to that when the rocks of life are, wait, why do people die early? Or in the same year, uh, when the pastor of the church it came out that he had been having affairs with a bunch of women he had supposed to be counseling, and you're like, wait, the church is good, right? Well, what's going on here? And so there's things that you want to be true and might be true, but yet when things are hard, it's hard to hold on to those things. And so there are people who really desperately want something to be true, want to believe, and then life circumstances happen and it just, it's hard to hold on and, and people just let go of those things. And, you know, I, I'm grateful that for some reason that that wasn't me. I, I didn't just completely let it all go and, and walk away. Um, but it took a lot of work to get to the place of remembering joy with God. It took a lot of work to get to the place of realizing that God was suffering alongside of you, of that God mourns. I think it's one of the beautiful things in the Bible is Jesus mourning the death of Lazarus. You know, that God can mourn with you when there's tragedies. God can mourn within you when you lose someone that matters to you. And so what is it to hold on to God tighter when those hard things come and not, not let go? But I think that you might have had some joy around some ideas about who God is and beliefs, but maybe you might be thinking about letting it go. You might be struggling to hold on to it. And so I want to encourage you to hold on today. There's a third soil. So we have this path where the seed gets taken away too quickly. We have the, the rocks that choke things out when things get difficult. And then Luke tells us that as for what fell among the thorns... These are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And so I, I love that Jesus gives us two different kinds of versions of people who believe something, but then give it up. One of those things is when things get difficult, you can give it up. But the other side of it is sometimes things get great, and you can also give it up. And so maybe you had some beliefs, you, you felt a certain way, and then you start getting that promotion, that raise, you get the relationship you want, you get whatever it is that you've longed for, and then it's easy to just say, you know, who needs all that stuff now? Let's let it go. I don't need it. I've got everything I want, right? Who needs to hold on to this anymore? And I think about whether you've done that or not, the temptation to do that still exists for people. Uh, I was with a group of pastors who were talking about um, the challenging aspect that if you want to grow a church, there's some things that are easy steps that you might not be able to go down. Because the easiest thing to do is find what the most people think and believe and say, yes, you're right. Affirming whatever, what the most popular opinion might be is the easiest route. 
But if you feel convicted that that's not where God is, would you sell your soul to have the outcome that you want? And so that's true of, of people in my kind of role. That's true of, of you and whatever your life situation is, that there might be moments where you think, well, can I give up this idea to get this other greater, more attractive, more, more life-giving thing that I'm just longing for? And so we get enticed towards other things. We, we feel like, well, maybe it's, maybe I don't have to believe it this way. Maybe I can let go of that thing. And so what would you compromise? What would you give up for something more alluring? But Jesus talks about a fourth soil. There's a path where the seeds are taken away. There's rocks that, that choke things out. There's there's these enticing things. I think the idea of the thorns of that is usually like you got roses, you got attractive things around where those thorns are that choke people out. And the fourth soil, Luke says, but as for that and the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with endurance. I think that th there's some like commentary around is this like a miraculous growth? Because it talks about this plant growing a hundredfold. And it goes back and forth because if you put a seed in the ground and it grows into a giant tree one day, that already feels miraculous. So there, there's a question of, is this an unusual planting experience where you planted this thing and it grew in ways you would have never expected or just acknowledging the fact that all seeds grow in ways that are marvelous and miraculous? And no matter how you take that image, it's the idea that a tiny little seed can grow into something huge. And so there's all these possibilities for what that seed could, could go through. And what is it when it finds that good soil, it gets cultivated and it starts growing and it leaves the shell behind and it flowers into all that it was made to be. And I love that what it flowers into is not that you just believed and that's the end of the story. It's not, oh, this person had the, the best ability to write a textbook on it, that that's the good soil. The good soil is you got everything articulated perfectly. It says in the text that the good soil is the one who holds these beliefs with an honest and good heart. There are some people who have some right beliefs who don't do that with a right heart, who shouted at somebody, who use the Bible to, to hurt somebody but the, they hold it with an honest and good heart and bear that fruit with endurance. And I think that's the thing of, we sometimes think, did you believe something is, did I say yes or no to when I heard this thing? But it's a different question to think, can my faith endure good times and bad times? Do I believe something so fully, so deeply, so maturely that my roots are there, but I'm not going to get moved around by the my life circumstances? You think about Jesus' other parable of the, the person who builds the house on a solid rock or the quicksand kind of situation of, of are we stable enough in our faith that we can trust God and that when good times or bad times come, we are still going to grow that good heart that God wants to grow in us and endure. And so when I think about that, we long for God to just give us simple answers and yet we get these kinds of stories. What's the point of this, God? Why can't you just speak plainly? If you want to just make me believe, why can't you just speak more obviously to me? 
But I think parables are a beautiful gift to us. Um, there's life in parables. I try to think of the alternate timeline where your Bible is just the thesis statements. Here's the exact right articulations of a bunch of things instead of what we currently have. I think parables ask us to listen carefully, to think about something, and to respond to it. And there's something about stories that makes us chew on the story. We keep thinking about it. We keep seeing it from different angles. We keep asking more questions. And so it builds down deeper into our soul than if you were just given the quick little sentence that you might think that you want. And so instead of that, we get a beautiful message and story. We get the complexities of life through story. We get the complexities of how to apply it to our lives because our stories are messy too. And so we are walking this, this, we're in this dance with God in the story of how does it make sense to us? How do we live it out? And so there's something also really powerful about parables is sometimes there are situations where it's not safe to say something out loud directly. If you can think about how often Jesus talks about God's kingdom, that that's really dangerous when you're talking under Roman occupation and how important it is to be able to tell a story and say, well, what did that story mean? What do you think the story meant? And that's why you have things like, well, give to God what's God's, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, these kinds of statements that feel like, are you hiding it or are you revealing it? Is it a little bit of both? And so I wonder if we're willing to take that kind of faith journey where we say, God, I want to hear from you. I want to listen. I want to go on this, this interesting story search for where you're calling me forward. And so we get uh, this kind of parable today. And so my encouragement to you today is that spiritual formation is, it requires listening. Spiritual formation, if you want to become a better disciple, if you want to follow God more faithfully, it requires us to cultivate our listening skills. Listening to God, listening to each other. How are we at listening? And so if you're trying to figure out how to break open the box of kind of you've limited God too tightly, we have to develop the ability to listen. And so in this text, it invites us, if we want to be good spiritual listeners, we have to be willing to give God's mysterious word a chance. If you think of the disciples, they could have heard Jesus give this story and be like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm going home. I'd never understand this guy. He's supposed to be my teacher and it's going over my head. It's going beside me. I don't know what's happening here. But it requires, if we're going to have any sort of faith development or any sort of just personal development, we have to be willing to listen that things might sound like mysteries that don't make any sense to us if it already made sense to us, we didn't learn anything. We need the mystery. And that's why we need each other. When we read these texts together, we, you pick up on something that's different than me. And, and we, we deal with this mystery together and we learn from each other. And to do that, we have to give each other a chance. And in our polarized world, we do not give each other the chance. We think we already know the other person. We think we already know their position. We think we already know why they're wrong. And so we've become really bad listeners. We've been very quick to speak. And we just shout, no, you're wrong, very fast. Or we've got up and left. The seed just gets there on the path, taken away. 
if we want to be spiritually mature, we have to be available for a chance to listen. If we want to be spiritual listeners, we have to give we have to stop giving up when things get difficult. Things will get difficult. But if our response to when things are challenging is just to take my bag and go, it's like, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. Or you're like, uh, this conversation is going to be rough. Maybe I don't need to be here. Yeah, you know, I, I just want to get out of this. We, had, we lose the ability to, to grow, to be formed, to be shaped. When, when times get tough, we just give up on it. And so maybe you've tried to survive in this world by hardening your heart, because that's a very honest and real response to pain. Think if I can just get tougher skin, if I can just be a little bit thicker skinned, I'll make it. But at some point in that, we get so tough that we lose the ability to hear from each other. We lose the ability to be vulnerable about here's what I think, here's how I'm feeling. And so we need God to soften our heart, to fill the soil of our spirits so we might be able to love, to have joy, to listen, to heal, to grow again. If we want to break out of the box and grow as spiritual listeners, we cannot be distracted by the next attractive alternative that comes our way. It's, it's okay to be curious to, to explore, but if you keep running at every next thing, you won't find any stability. And so maybe there's something that you've been longing for that you need to just say, God, is this thing that's actually my priority one right now? Should it be priority one? Why is this thing that so, seems so alluring? Is it you? Is it good? Or is it something that's going to lead me in, down a path that's going to just end up getting hurt more? And it might be that what God has on your heart is something really good, something meaningful, something important, but maybe it's something that's just, that's just you. That's just about your own ego or pride. So how do we not get distracted by alternatives that come our way? And lastly, the fourth soil, if we want to be spiritual listeners, we have to do more than hearing. We have to be willing to be transformed. We have to enact, live out, model what we hear. And I know this is the, like, the cliche. Everyone's like, well, I wish if Christians just acted like Christ, well, then I'd be all for it. If I could find a church that looked like exactly like Christ wants it to look like, I'd be all for it. But, you know, since it doesn't exist, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out. But to truly listen is to be transformed by that experience. That doesn't mean you're fully having to just keep changing to everybody that you meet, but you have to have an openness that God might change you through every experience that you have. And so might God be making your heart a little more honest, a little more good, a little more open to wherever he might lead. And so, you know, we kind of more famously know James when he talks about faith without works is dead. This parable is that listening without works is dead. That if talking to you is just talking to a, a, a wall and nothing changes, then was there really talking? And so Jesus invites us to think about the soil of our, of our eyes, of our ears, of our hearts, of our spirit. 
how well are we listening today? And so maybe today, as you think about in your prayer life, and as you think about going forward, I want you to imagine that you're talking to God. And I want you to think about, am I grunting at God or am I vocalizing my needs, my hopes, my joys today? Are we frustrated and we're throwing a fit at God? Or are we clearly saying, God, here's what I really think that I need, but I'm going to be open with it. Show me if that's not what I need, but, but I have to be honest with you. I have to be real. This is what I need today. And maybe as you listen to God, you might reflect on, is God grunting at you, giving you a silent treatment, or is he saying something specific to you today? And so I encourage you to reflect on how you're hearing God today. It could be that if God seems distant or if God seems like he's grunting, maybe it's because we have not been showing up and present to God as much as we should be. Maybe if my prayer is only the once a year or once every decade, I'd be like, well, where have you been, God? God's saying, I've been here the whole time. But I encourage you to reflect and to think on how well are you listening to God today? And so will you just join me in prayer as we ask God to be in our hearts and our ears? Lord, this world is filled with distractions. It's filled with both attractive and frustrating distractions of life. Lord, help us to have our eyes and ears on you. Help us to follow after you faithfully. Help us to seek you wherever you're at. Lord, I ask that you might just give us spirits of, of patience and of kindness. That there's someone in your life, in our lives that, that has frustrated us, that has hurt us, that has made us unable to listen. And I ask that you might just give us ears to hear. Lord, for those who feel like their word always falls on, on nothing, it just goes out and never returns, that there's no change Lord, we ask that you might encourage us to not give up our voices, but that we might continue to, to speak out our experience of you, our hopes, our desires, our needs. And Lord, we ask that you might grow in us your word. You might grow in us your patience, your kindness, your goodness. Lord, let your love flower out of our lives. We want your love to grow up through us and around us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.